What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello there, welcome to your Patreon episodes. Welcome to This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking, and welcome back. For those of you who have listened to the General Custer episode, you will know the reason why this has taken so long. I am on the mend. Thank you very much for your messages of support, guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, This has been an absolutely vile disease and not one that I would wish on my worst enemy. The loss of breath, the constant coughing, things like that, it's been very, very difficult to find some time to actually record and get a decent enough quality episode out there. However, we are on the mend, like I said, and this episode is coming to you now. Hopefully, it is a better quality than the last episode. The same with the Patreon, last Patreon episode, and the last episode that came out, I think episode 36, um, they both had a annoying whining noise in the background. That was due to the fact that I could not get my wiring correct on my new setup. I now have that sorted out and hopefully we don't have that issue anymore. So we have our new Patreon episode. Very, very easy one for you guys. I know this is something that was pretty obvious when I put the picture up and it's Bonnie and Clyde, possibly the most famous gangster duo that have ever lived. And it's very interesting. Bonnie and Clyde's a very, very interesting story. It's very romanticized. These two lovers who, you know, met in a very dangerous time in in the United States, uh, both had very different upbringings, uh, very, especially um, Clyde Barrow had a very, very poor upbringing something that would you know explain the life that he went into you know why he went into crime from that life of poverty i've always said poverty breeds crime it always has done it always will do because when you're looking at people making money and you can't make money it's a very very easy way of making money and a very, very easy way of dragging yourself out of that gutter that you're stuck in, um, rightly or wrongly. But at least you can understand the reasons why certain people do certain decisions that they make in life. Now, what I do like about this story is the romance side of it, the fact that it absolutely captivated America. It was um, these two you know, let, let's be honest, these two criminals, that's what they were. They weren't anything other than criminals. Um, and how they, you know, they became celebrities. They captured an American audience to the point where people would actually see them driving past and, and cheer. And, you know, they'd love the fact that uh, Bonnie and Clyde had just been through their town and, and things like that, where really the death and destruction that these these two 
guys caused should not have been romanticized. It certainly should not have been romanticized the way it was anyway. So we'll look at Clyde Barrow first. He was born during the Great Depression. He was born in a part of America which is known as the Dust Bowl. Now, this was a very dry drought area. And for a farmer, which is what he was born into, or into that sort of a life, with farming not basically not non-existent because of the drought, then you add the depression, and you add in the fact that basically they had no money whatsoever. Clyde had six brothers. Um, they were very, very poor. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking extremely poor. Um, you know, they at one point they lived under a wagon. Um, there was, you're talking about a time where they they realized they had they thought they had money when they had a tent to live in, um, and this is uh, this is something that it, it shocks me even now um, to think that how how bad this depression actually was in the 1920s. Um, what also gets me by it, and I try not to be politically involved in certain things um, in my podcast. However, I would like to point out, and I'm assuming some of you guys will understand what I'm saying here. When we talk about white privilege, people like this are forgotten. Um, and I've hear, we hear it every day in this country. You've got white privilege. You've got white privilege. I'm not being funny. When you're talking about a man here with six brothers and they're living under a wagon, they don't even have a, a house. They don't even have a tent to live in. And that's not privilege. So privilege comes from what you make of it. And certain people are not born into privilege. Your privilege is what you are, is, is what you brought up with. It's not, uh, it's not a skin color. It's, it is certain aspects that people have and uh, Clyde Barrow is a prime example of someone who does not have any privilege now he is not an example that I think people should follow because obviously what he then did was not good but you can understand in this aspect why he turns to the crime that he turned to Bonnie Parker had a slightly better upbringing uh, she wasn't a slum, a slum dog. She wasn't, uh, you know, living under wagons and in tents. Um, she certainly didn't have very much money. Um, and she ended up getting married at 15 years old. So again, she's in a situation where she's done something that she probably doesn't want to do just to survive. Now, turns out her husband was a crook, a criminal and a cheat. And she left him. Now she didn't actually get divorced from her husband, so um, but she did. She did leave in search of a better life. And yet again, you can understand why in this time period people were turning to crime. Um, you know, America seemed to turn its back on on the poorer population very, very much um, to the point where you know they didn't really care about these type of people they didn't care about the bonnie and clydes of of the world and you know the the problem you have there is the majority of people were the bonnie and clydes of the world um you know you can't turn your back on the majority of people 
um, something's going to give. And, and that's exactly what happened. And that's why they were so romanticized as a couple and so, you know, inspiring to the, the American people, even though realistically they were murderous criminals. Clyde, growing up, had a, a, a string of minor jobs. Um, nothing that you would call a career, but certainly jobs that would have paid the bills. He witnessed his older brother um, basically become a criminal. Uh, his older brother, Buck, used to steal cars and break into safes and things like that. And he realized that he could make a little bit more money doing things illegally rather than, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel every single day. Um, and at 19 years old, he met this woman called Bonnie. And this is where the story really kicks in. At 19 years old, Bonnie and Clyde meet each other. Clyde Barrow was sent to prison at 21 years old. And this wasn't a maximum security prison. This was, would have been like a farm type prison. Um, and the person who got him out was Bonnie. She smuggled a weapon into the prison, handed it to, to Clyde. And when he presented the weapon he escaped now this didn't last very long this freedom that he had didn't last very long he was arrested again and he was sentenced to prison for a second time when he was arrested the second time he was sent to a, a more tougher prison um and prison then was slightly different to what it is now now i'm no experience in prison whatsoever um but i know especially in this country, the main goal of prison is to rehabilitate uh, prisoners. I'm not sure what it's like in America. I know we hear stories about your prison system. Um, that's not something I'm going into. But um, yeah, so the point of this was not to rehabilitate Clyde. The point was just to break him and absolutely destroy him as a person. And that that was the point of it. Um he had a very, very tough time in prison. Um, the chain gangs uh, out in the hot sun all day, every day, um, nearly passing out. He was also abused in prison. Uh, he had a man who was around six foot, 250 pounds, who would sexually assault him on a regular basis. Um, you know, he, he was really not, in a good state of mind and he was quite a you know he was a young skinny bloke at this point he wasn't a big bloke um he wasn't the gangster that you know the feared gangster that people know he was just and he was a toy for this man on october the 29th 1931 he snuck a long piece of metal pipe into his uh, into his cell and invited his attacker into his cell. He struck this man very hard across the face, nearly taking his head off. And yeah, he, he, that was the end of that. You know, the, he, he didn't kill him, but the, the torment stopped. Um, just goes to show, doesn't it? If you stand up to your bullies, it does work. Um, now, luckily, another another inmate took the rap for it, and you know, no one no one really said anything more about it. Um, but it was said after that that Clyde Barrow turned from a schoolboy into a rattlesnake, and that gave him that, you know, that 
ability to realize that he wasn't just a nothing. He wasn't just this little man. He could actually do something a little bit more substantial with his life. It was said that he cut his own toes off. He had two toes that he cut off um, just to get himself out of doing um, the hard labor and get himself out of doing the work. Um, and this was in uh, 1933. Uh, however, it does turn out that his mother had actually been petitioning to get him out. And he basically was released a few days after he cut his own toes off anyway. And therefore wouldn't have needed to, to self-harm. He could have just done another couple of days and he'd have been out anyway. But obviously he didn't know that at the time. And then he was released from prison with two less toes than what he had when he went in. When he got out of prison, the woman waiting for him was Bonnie Parker. Now, they started a gang between them, which were called the Barrow Gang, which is obviously Clyde Barrow's surname. And where they became famous was April 13th, 1933. This was when Bonnie and Clyde hit the nation rather than just, you know, the local little prisons. The gang consisted of five. Uh, obviously, we know um, Clyde Barrow. We know Bonnie Parker. We also know Buck Barrow. And we know his wife. Her name was Blanche Barrow. Hence the, the name, the Barrow Gang. There was three Barrows. And obviously, Mrs. Parker. Miss Parker. I'm not sure whether she uh, whether she's a miss or a missus now because she had left her husband. But uh, obviously, that was the main four. They also had what, what we'd call a fifth wheel in this country, which was a man named W.D. Jones. There was five of them. Now, on this day in particular, they were hanging around in their, uh, they had like an apartment above a garage in Missouri, and they were just hanging out, making some noise, smoking cigars, drinking, so on and so forth. And somebody called the police on them. They were making a lot of noise, and the police thought that they had come across a prohibition um, distillery where they were making um, illegal alcohol. Obviously, that's not the case, so the police did turn up. When the cops turned up, they had five armed police officers. They were planning on getting some bootleggers uh, in the middle of prohibition. They shouted at them to come out with their hands up. And as we know from the stories of Bonnie and Clyde, they didn't really listen to the police and they opened fire and they started firing down on the police from this, uh, from the building they were in. Uh, Clyde Barrow with his uh, world famous Browning automatic rifle started shooting down at the police. A police officer and a detective were both shot dead. Uh, I think the detective died slightly later. Um, the police officer died at the scene, um, but they were both shot dead by the Barrow gang. The five managed to escape. Uh, WD was shot in the in the shoulder. Uh, Clyde Barrow was actually shot, but the uh, the bullet ricocheted off his uh, off a, a button on his jacket, so it didn't actually hurt him. Um, but they all escaped. You know, they ran away, and the police were left wounded at the side of the road, dying, and off sped the Barrow gang in their um, fast vehicles. And this is where, you know, you, you then get this romanticized story about them because when the police then entered into this building, 
um, they found some negatives uh, from Bonnie. Bonnie was uh, an aspiring photographer, um, and obviously these pictures that she'd taken were were them to be produced, mass-produced across the country. She also wrote poems and scripts and stories and things like that, um, which, again, were printed and, and things were printed into papers. And a lot of the stories that she wrote um, were to do with poverty and how Uncle Sam has turned his back on the American people and things like that. And you can almost see where people were starting to, you know, when, when it when it suddenly got publicized, people started to see, well, hang on, I can understand why these two guys or why Bonnie and Clyde are doing what they're doing. You know, the, the pictures of the two of them, there's uh, pictures of her stood there with a cigar in her mouth and, and ne- standing next to a car. I mean, these are pictures that she'd taken herself, but what they do, they showed her as this very strong, independent woman, this woman that no one had really seen up until now. And they weren't aware of someone like that. So to see somebody like that, it encapsulated the American public. And it really did make people believe that these guys were actually good. Obviously, we know they weren't. We know that murdering police and things like that is not a good thing they were certainly not good people however you can understand why there was a sympathetic attitude towards them from the american public especially when they realized what a pov- you know what a poverty what a poverty not a good word not the right word what a poor background these guys had come from and how they could relate to the fact that uncle sam has turned their back on the poorer population. Clyde Barrow went on a a robbing spree. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but a, a robbing spree is what I'm going with because it wasn't a killing spree. He went on a spree of basically robbing gas stations or what we call in this country, petrol stations. Uh, went on a spree of just basically robbing and getting as much money as he physically could get. Um, you know, obviously he had the firepower but really what he wanted revenge on was the prison system and the fact that obviously he was so badly treated in prison. So he really, really wanted revenge on the prison more than anything. The gang went on, you know, a, a spree of just a, trying to get as much money as they could. Um, they would rob, they, they, they robbed stores. They robbed, like I said, obviously gas stations. Um, they even robbed people. Um, you know, they would stop a car in the middle of the street, very similar to the last episode with Dick Turpin. This is what they would do. They would stop somebody and, you know, your mo- and it was a case of your money or your life. You know, it didn't matter whether you were a police officer, whether you were a detective, whether you were, I don't even think it mattered if you were the president. I think they would have literally taken the money or they would have shot you dead there and then. Um, they really didn't care very much. Um, they started to rob banks. Now, there's no real number on the amount of banks they robbed. I know that it is very, very romanticized in films and TV that they robbed lots and lots of banks. That's not true. They didn't do that. But they certainly did rob banks, and they certainly did get a lot of cash very, very quickly. Now, they were a dangerous group of people, and they were dangerous in the sense that if you didn't 
listened to what they told you, they would have shot you dead there and then. And this is where the attitude started to change. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. ...with the American people because although they could sympathize with the concept of being poor and people going out and getting what they want and, and people taking to an extent the law into their own hands, no one really likes a murderer. And essentially, that's what they these guys were becoming. They were becoming murderers. They were just going out and killing anybody who stood in their way. If they wanted money, you stood in their way, you were dead. There was no two ways about it. And they were becoming a very, very dangerous gang to, to mess with. They were the original gang, you know, and they, they were the original ones who, who would, uh, the police chases. I mean, this is what I always think of when I think of Bonnie and Clyde. It's it's the police chases. That's what always gets me. They had the Ford V8. It was the fastest car in the world. There was no one that could touch it. The police couldn't go anywhere near it. And every single time they got attacked, they got away because the, their car was so much more superior to what the police had. And, you know, that's something that really sticks with me is that that image of that that car the car with the, the bullet holes down the side where it's been shot a million times and you know but they always got away and i do think that has a big part to play in the romance of the story is the sense that they got away with it for so long on one occasion when they were driving away from the police they did have an accident uh, quite a severe accident in which it was almost unbelievable any of them survived, uh, especially Bonnie. Um, she was caught under a fire um, and it tore all the skin off her legs, um, even to the point that they, they said they could see her bone. Now, um, obviously, she was in extreme agony, uh, a lot of pain. And what they did was they, they commandeered a barn house um, to make her better, where... They also, in this little town, they kidnapped the sheriff um, in sort of a sense of trying to get some medicine to, to get her better. Um, you know, they, they really did go a little bit over the top with that. They went on, on a robbing spree again um, and ended up killing a U.S. Marshal. Um, the, I think this was the second U.S. Marshal that they killed. They were very, very famous for not, like I said, like they didn't care who, who got in the way. Um, problem with this is you start killing U.S. Marshals and all of a sudden you're not just a petty criminal. You're quite quite high up on the, the most wanted list. And I believe at this point Bonnie and Clyde and the Barrow gang were pretty much top suspects in any investigation on, on anything. Um, and they were definitely probably the most wanted criminals in America. Obviously, now they've killed a U.S. Marshal. They had to flee. There was no way they could stay in that town. The full force of the government was probably going to come down on them. So they had to flee. And they went to they went to Missouri. Um, and they ended up checking into uh, like a, a hotel or a motel thing. It was called the Red Town 
I think it's Cavern. Uh, although my mind wants to tell me ca- uh, Tavern, but I'm almost certain it's Cavern. Um, and they checked in there to basically to try. You know, you got to remember at this point, Bonnie Parker is is fighting for her life still. Really, obviously, they're in this town. They boarded up the windows in this little hotel, and they're going out not as a group, just one by one to try and get provisions, try and get some medicine, um, try and stay alive, really. Now, the owner of the hotel was very suspicious, made a phone call to the police, uh, and the owner of the drugstore, where obviously they were going in to buy medicine, also contacted the police. And, you know, they they've made that, they put the two and two together and they realized that Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker are in town. Um, and they, they let the police know. Now, the police were not going to make the same mistake they did last time and turn up with just five police officers and pistols. Uh, they were making sure that they had Tommy guns and submachine guns and everything ready because they knew how well armored these guys were. Now, they did actually manage to escape, um, but it didn't look good. Uh, it really, really didn't look good. Buck was shot in the face. Um, he lost a portion of his skull. Um, he was still able to sort of eat and drink, but it really didn't look like he was going to survive. Uh, Blanche lost the use of one of her eyes, um, thanks to glass that had ricocheted into her eyes. And obviously Bonnie still wasn't in a position to be walking. So as a general rule, they were not, in a good shape this the group um they escaped and managed to get away but realistically they were they were very battered and bruised and and they weren't it didn't look like they were going to be around for much they managed to find an abandoned amusement park in iowa where they would hide out for a little bit and the cops caught up with them again When the cops caught up with them this time, only three of them would escape. And that was WD, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. So the other two didn't escape. Buck died a few days later. He was shot in the back. Obviously, he was pretty much incapacitated anyway. Um, And his wife, Blanche, was obviously pretty much blind. um, So she was very easy to capture and was arrested. So that's how those two got, got captured and killed. And then the other three were just on the run again. When they got away, they decided to split up. Um, WD got arrested, and it was just the duo left. Um, obviously, Bonnie was still in a bad way. You know, you've got to remember this whole, all this stuff that's going on. She's still not in a good position because she can't walk properly. Um, there's now no medicine to to help her out. They're still on the run. Um, you know, they they're not in a good shape. There's only two of them left. And, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to to carry on for much longer. Clyde had some unfinished business. And like I said earlier in the episode, his unfinished business was to do with the prison system. And he went back to said prison where he was and he managed to release some inmates that were, were there. Um, now, this was mainly inmates who were out doing chain gang activities. So he went out with guns and, uh, you know, released these prisoners. Obviously, now, not only are these guys murderers, they're now 
letting escaped convicts, you know, they're helping to escape convicts out of prison. It basically, everything he did just intensified the police's efforts on him. And this, I think, would have been pretty much the last nail in the coffin for the police and for the correctional facilities. Because as far as they were concerned, you know, he'd, he'd just gone, he'd gone too far. He'd gone too far anyway. Now he's gone that extra step. But as far as he was concerned, he'd done the right thing because he hated that prison and he wanted to get back to, he wanted to get back at that prison and, you know, make his mark as, you know, the guy who released the prisoners from there. To make matters worse for Clyde in that breakout, he'd actually managed to kill the mayor. So, you know, you're talking, now you're talking political figures. He's gone from killing police officers to killing US marshals to killing political figures. And you just, I mean, I know in America, the, or not just America, anywhere in the world, um, killing a cop is one of the worst crimes you can do. So when you then take that one next step to a US marshal or someone who works for the government, and you then take the next step to a mayor of a town, um, you know, all of a sudden you are not this, you know, you're not this blue-eyed boy that the, the public believe anymore. You're now this absolute scumbag who needs to be sorted out. The Texas state decided to put a man named Frank Hamer on the case. Frank Hamer, the very famous detective, um, also a bit of a, a nutter. If I'm correct, he was also an ex-Texas ranger. Obviously, the Rangers were quite famous for being very brutal. He had a kill streak of over 50 bodies. Um, he was the type of bloke that if you were going to find someone, they didn't want to find Bonnie and Clyde anymore. They just wanted them dead. They didn't care whether they were alive. They just wanted them dead and out the way. Now, obviously, Bonnie and Clyde have had to flee again, and they're not in a position where they can stay still because this man has got a reputation of finding criminals. He, they are very easy to find. You know, at the end of the day, these, these guys are famous. Their pictures are in every newspaper. People know what they look like. They, they can't just walk into a town and hide. They, people knew them. They, you know, they were not in a, any, they were not safe anywhere. Um, they found a new member of their gang, just so there was three of them, and on one of their escapes or one of their drives, they actually murdered two more highway policemen. So their body count was going up and up and up. Now, the newspaper, and this is a classic case of propaganda, nobody saw this killing, um, but the newspaper run with the headline that Bonnie laughed maniacally um, as the police officer lay dying on the floor. So what they were saying was basically what they were trying to do was to destroy this image that the American people had of Bonnie and Clyde as this romanticized couple out there killing. They wanted people to actually think, well, hang on a minute. These guys are actually disgusting human beings and shouldn't be allowed to be around, you know, and this was what they did. Although nobody actually saw these killings and nobody can confirm or deny whether she did actually start laughing as they're killing the man on the floor 
it's uh, it was enough for the American people to to sort of draw a line in the sand with them and say, no, enough is enough. Um, this has gone too far. On another one of their raids, they they killed another uh, a police officer, an older police officer. Um, you know, a, a man who was you know a few years away from retirement, and again, this caused another outrage in in the American public. You know, people had got to the point now where they they were drawn a line. You know, they 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 wanted blood, and they wanted Bonnie and Clyde's blood. They were fed up with all these stories, fed up with all the the bloodshed and the the pointless murders of police officers. Um, you know, the the fairy tale had ended quite drastically now. On May 23rd, 1934, Bonnie and Clyde met their match. Bonnie and Clyde and their third wheel now, a man named Methman, were travelling down the highway. Um, Hamer had set up a roadblock and they were tra- as they were travelling down, the police managed to get Methman's father to put his car at the side of the road and pretend that it had broken down um and obviously he stood outside of his car when bonnie and clyde drove past and realized who the man at the side of the road was and realized it was the man they were going to meet um they slowed the car down and and brought the car to a stop to which point the police jumped out of the bushes and pepper sprayed the car with bullets they fired thousands of rounds into that car um, when obviously the smoke had cleared and they checked the bodies both Bonnie and Clyde had been hit by over 50 bullets each um, there was no way they were they were coming out of that um, but like I said they got to that point in America where they just couldn't allow these two to carry on living it wasn't a case of we need to arrest them and send them to prison it was no they need to be taken out and they need to be taken out now when this happened the public got news of it very very quickly um, to the point that the public actually turned up to the vehicle whilst they were still in the car um, hundreds of people turned up trying to get bits of memorabilia you know trying to take things off the car trying to take bonnie's parts of her dress uh, apparently someone tried to cut clyde's trigger finger off and you know the these are dead guys. These these two guys are dead in the car, and and the the public were there just trying to take bits of memorabilia and things like that, and trying to cut bits off, um, just so they could say, "I've got Clyde Barrow's trigger finger," or "I've got a lock of Bonnie Parker's hair," and just weird things like that. But you can, yeah, I understand, I understand to an extent the fascination behind people like this not to that extent where you'd want to own bits of their clothing um, but i do find um serial killers mass murderers uh, gangsters i do find that very very entertaining and very interesting so i do understand a bit of the fascination behind it obviously i wouldn't go to that extreme but i do understand why some people do just to give you an idea of how well um they were armed when the police checked the vehicle they found uh, seven 45 colt pistols one 32 caliber uh, colt automatic pistol one sawn off tw- 20 gauge 
uh, Remington Model 11 shotgun, three times 36 Browning automatic rifles, one double action Colt revolver, one sawn off Winchester 10 gauge shotgun, and one 38 caliber Colt pistol. So that's just two people in a car with 20 odd weapons. Um, just to show you how well they were actually armed and how well they defended themselves. When you think of the fact that Bonnie and Clyde, um, they met in the early 1930s and they committed between them 13 murders, including police officers, the mayor of a town and US marshals. Um, you can understand why people hated them at the end um, this all happened in the space of about a year and a half to two years because um, they were killed in in 1934 they died on the 23rd of may 1934 so they really didn't have a huge spell in the limelight um, which is a good thing really i mean if they killed 13 people in that short space of time just imagine how many they would have done had they got away with it for a bit longer um, but like I said, I absolutely love this type of history and this type of, especially from you guys, from, from Patreon, um, I, I haven't had any messages saying, let's try something different. So uh, I'm going to keep with the gangster theme at the moment. Um, it seems to be going quite well, especially these types of career criminals who, you know, do these little things that it's just so fascinating the different types of history i find i find amazing and i think this is something that you know people enjoy um i know i'm not i know this isn't the best episode <clears throat> for you guys and uh, i appreciate that um and i hope that my voice is is acceptable um i know it's not been my best um in the sense of obviously you know, my voice certainly not being back to the way I want it to be. Um, you can probably hear the, the loss of breath every now and again. Um, I know this microphone is very, very good at picking things up like that. So to an extent, it's maybe not the best thing to have a good microphone when, you know, when you have this COVID. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate all, all of you guys uh, so very, very much. And if you haven't already send me a message with your address and I shall get you your fridge magnets sent out. Uh, that will be done this week. So it's the 2nd of December today. It will be done this week. And for those of you, those of you guys who do want one signed, I know a couple of you have messaged me asking for it to be signed. So I will sign those for you um, and send those out. If you can all do me a favor, when you get them, send a picture Put a picture up on the Facebook group, on the Hangout. Let everyone know that you've got them. Um, I know I don't know how long it'll take with it being Christmas and posting this time of year. So um, I know uh, Amanda and Mike have sent me something from America uh, a few weeks ago now. Um, that still hasn't arrived. So I, I, I know that the postage is is very bad. Um, international, it's very very slow. Um, so just be aware of that. You might not get it this side of Christmas, um, but I, I will be sending them out. So I do, fingers crossed, that we get it all sorted out for you as soon as possible. Um, but thank you for listening, guys. Um, and like I said, thank you for bearing with me 
Um, I know it's been a long few weeks um, without an episode, and I hate not doing episodes, but obviously I have to I have to put my health first. Um, but yeah, I'm on the mend now, so thank you all. Thank you for your messages of support. I really, really appreciate that. And enjoy, enjoy the episode, and we shall see you next week. Just remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.